why don't we just go to incredibly successful people mm-hmm. and ask them, mm-hmm. how do you do what you do? Her mother had read her book about a, a guy that had sailed around the world, and he was just 18. So this young girl, Jessica, decided that she was going to try that too. Well, one of her most interesting experiences was uh, Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that was the great get for us. Connie Rice, she's a hard-charging woman. She had sort of weaponized herself to be truth and justice. Anna Netrebko, yeah. she's Beyonce to the classical yes. music <laughs> yes. This is The Pena Show. Today's special guests are Camille Sweeney and Josh Gottfield. They're the authors of The Art of Doing, how super achievers do what they do and how they do it so well. Welcome to the Pena Show, where it's all about helping you live a happier, healthier, and more meaningful life. I'm Stephanie. This is Juan. So recently we got to see a really great show uh, with one of our favorite celebrities, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, right? That's right. That's right. And he has a podcast show called Star Talk. Uh, So what did you think of it, babe? It was great. So it was at the King's Theater here in Mm -hmm. Brooklyn, and it was a panel of experts and comedians. So there were a few comedians like Michael Ian Black, Eugene Merman, Whoopi Goldberg, and then he had a Jesuit priest mm-hmm. and a um, science academic on. Yeah. So um, they do different yeah. topics related to science, and for this episode, it was talking about the scientific basis of morality. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, Neil deGrasse did a wonderful job of moderating mm-hmm. and kind of posing really um, provocative mm-hmm. questions of everyone. So it was really a mm-hmm. wonderful show. So we should get into talking about our guest yeah. for this week, which is Camille. Camille and Josh. So Camille and Josh are a really interesting couple. Uh, Camille has a background in journalism and Josh is an artist. Mm -hmm. And together they make the dream team of two (laughs) really great authors. So we'll be picking up the interview where we're chatting with them about their book and what it's like working together. What inspired you to write this book about super achievers and what was your goal in writing the book as well? Well, I would say that we think a lot about achievement and success and we're very curious people wherever we are we're always pinning the person in the corner of the (laughs) in the room in the cocktail party at the dinner party or someone we meet and we're asking them how do you do what you do tell us more tell us more and out of that evolved this idea why don't we just go to incredibly successful people Mm-hmm. and ask them, mm-hmm. how do you do what you do? It was one of those ideas that just sort of exploded. We found an agent right away, and the book got sold, and we were sort of in it before we even knew what was happening. And really the lesson from it is that it's really smart sometimes to follow what interests you, your yeah. creativity. You never know where it's going to take you mm-hmm. because it may bring you into a niche of the world that nobody else quite explored yet Mm because they may not be as curious about it as you Mm -hmm. and there's probably a good chance that you're going to have some staying power Mm -hmm. doing Mm -hmm. it because if you're curious about it we've just never stopped 
mm-hmm. just keeps going. Mm-hmm. And as we learn more, it becomes ever more fascinating to combine what we already know with what we're going to learn in the future. You're an artist. Yeah. And you're a writer. Right. Our background is journalism. Yes. So for me, it was something that I had been doing, interviewing people. Uh But when Josh and I came up with the idea, it was kind of this perfect meld of what we we love to do mm-hmm. and and just kept going with it. Yeah, it's true. Nice, nice. That's wonderful. So you two interviewed an amazing amount of people from all sorts of different fields. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what that process was in terms of tracking these people down. Or even deciding who who yeah. was on your list <laughs> of uh, potential interviewees. That's right. Well, we always called it the best, the greatest dinner party we could ever imagine. Oh, yeah, it would be fun. (laughs) Who do you want at the table? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how we went through the process of Mm -hmm. figuring it out. We had about 40, 45 people that we were going for, and remarkably, very few people turned us down. I do think one of the things that, that stops people is just this idea that they can't they can't handle it if they get the no and and the point is a lot of times people will all of a sudden shock you and come mm-hmm. back and mm-hmm. say yes people really enjoyed our conversation so much because a lot of what they do and how they do they didn't even consciously know because after all of those years mm-hmm. that work becomes that mm-hmm. knowledge becomes implicit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was really, they really enjoyed being drawn mm-hmm. out and being mm-hmm. at, being challenged with these questions. So mm-hmm. that really helps when you're trying to get somebody to think what would, what would appeal to them. Could you just very briefly tell us a little bit then how many folks actually made it to the book and how long did the beginning to end take you roughly? So we ended up with three dozen, so 36 people in the book. And we began it with six people that we interviewed. That was sort of our proof of concept. Mm-hmm. It was like mm-hmm. the short film to sell the long mm-hmm. film. That sold sold it to the agent. So that was probably, I want to say, 2010. And, and then it took us about a Close to a year and a half to get all the interviews done, get them to the editor. And then what happens in publishing, at least traditional publishing, is you get the manuscript back and then you sit and wait for seven or eight months before the book comes out. In the beginning of the book, you kind of share a little bit about like what were some of the take-home messages. that Because, mm-hmm. I mean, what a, what a remarkable opportunity to talk to people who've been super achievers in all different walks of life. I think you um, synthesized that a little bit and you came up with your own sense of like, what, what, are, what is it that they had in common? I wonder if you could say a little bit about that. The first thing that's really interesting, it's kind of the Uber message, is that they all were really focused on the process of goal achievement. Mm-hmm. Nobody talked about how smart or talented or fabulous they were. They kind of really broke down how they thought about things, how they did things, what was their interest in when they were a kid or a teenager or a young adult, and how did they translate that into mm-hmm. something in the real world? Who were the people they curated? Who, what were their financial plans? How did they develop expertise? And 
by this incredible focus on the process, you really learn what works and what doesn't work. And then when you also meet obstacles, you've got the capacity mm -hmm. to reinvent the way you're doing things. And then you're also always studying other people to see the way, that, the way they do things. And I think many people just sort of get stopped by thinking, I should be able to just walk through and do this thing without having any without having any basic principles and practices mm -hmm. behind it. Well, you definitely get the sense in the book people were really focused on learning what they needed to learn and kind of going through almost like an iterative mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. in terms of um, you know learning from things that didn't go well and, and building from there. We also wanted to find people that weren't just doing well in their fields but that transformed their field in some way mm -hmm. because... Mm -hmm. I think the that crux of innovation mm -hmm. is what a lot of us are really interested in. And mm -hmm. so a lot of the choices we made were based on people that either had in the past mm -hmm. or are currently really doing something unique in their field. Mm -hmm. To Josh's point, they loved talking about their ideas, about how they wanted to innovate and had innovated. Mm -hmm. So. That made really interesting conversation. I, I know you had a story of an opera singer. Anna Netrebko. Yeah. She was one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. So she's from the Russia, Russia Republic, and she had gone from her home republic to the school in St. Petersburg. And what happened was the teachers told her, you may make it to the chorus, but that's going to be it. Wow. And she had grown up doing these performances as a child in front of her family and friends. And so the last thing on earth she wanted to do was be in the chorus. And so she decided right then and there, I have to take this on myself. She went out and she found a job at the Marinsky Theater, which had the opera company, the premier opera company in St. Petersburg. And she worked as a janitor while she was at the conservatory taking classes and just soaked in that atmosphere of being at the theater while she's literally mm -hmm. swabbing the lobby. She finally had a chance to audition for the, for the company. She blew them away. So she gets in, and she gets a small part, and then the lead becomes ill. I mean, it's like a fairy tale. Wow. <laughs> and because of all of that experience that she had had there for the few years that she had worked there, she was asked to step in. And they said, Anna, do you know this? And she said, do I know this? I know every <laughs> role in the show. And so she, that, was her, that was her star moment. And she just blew everybody away and became the darling of not only that theater, but opera, she's the 21st century diva. Amazing. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. great. And she's like a bit of a, uh, like a YouTube, YouTube uh, star. YouTube phenom. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. She's Beyonce to the classical music. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Any particular lessons that you learned from your interviewees that have stuck with you or that you kind of revisit personally in your own life? Uh, you know, we just have just totally revamped the way we do things. Mm. It's been an incredible experience, you mm -hmm. know, and everything from uh, finding that these people, are, they were astounding listeners. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would think that there'd be all type A personalities, but they yeah. were all incredible listeners. Mm. 
they were all fantastic persuaders. Whoever, mm-hmm. it, whether it would be their customers or their bosses mm-hmm. or, you know, Anna Trebko's story mm-hmm. of how she persuaded the head of the opera to take her on. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, on the Anna Trebko stories, like how people uh, rebounded from their failures or mm-hmm. how they made up new systems based mm-hmm. on their failures. Mm-hmm. I mean, another incredible thing that slips by a lot of people is they were great studiers of systems. Everything mm-hmm. has a system. Mm-hmm. You know, there's rules the way things mm-hmm. work. There's mm-hmm. people, there's gatekeepers, and there's ways that money flow. And most of these people really, like, learned how the system worked so they could understand how to beat the system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Josh, was there was there any particular person or story that stuck with you? Well, one of our most interesting experiences was uh, Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that was the great get for us. Mm-hmm. And we had asked him. Everybody had a question geared towards them, and his was, how do you be funny on TV? <laughs> and his response was, oh, no, you can't interview me. I'm not funny on TV. You have to interview the head writer. This was, mm. a, this was back in the 30 Rock yeah. days. And so we said, oh, well, could we interview the head writer? And you. Mm -hmm. And so he agreed to that. You know, that was another interesting thing that we saw with everybody was humility. They weren't Mm -hmm. falsely humble, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. they had such a deep appreciation of each other Mm -hmm. and such a deep understanding of what both of them brought to the table. Mm -hmm. So that was a really interesting lesson to to really not be a doormat for people, Mm -hmm. but to really recognize the power mm-hmm. that other people have mm-hmm. to help you achieve what you want, which might very well be what they want too. Mm-hmm. And to really focus on making the other people around you better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any story in particular or person? Well, the one that, that really sticks out in my mind and that I think about a lot actually was a girl that we interviewed, and I mean real girl. She was um, 11 at the time that she got the idea and about 16 when it happened. But she's this Australian girl, was not from a sailing family, mm-hmm. and she, but her mother had read her book about a, a guy that had sailed around the world. He mm-hmm. was a circumnavigator, mm-hmm. and he was just 18. So this young girl, Jessica, decided that she was going to try that, too. And she pasted up on her um, walls and and the ceiling pictures of the South Seas and Mm. storms. Wow. And she proceeded to get funding. She uh, hooked up with reporters that were really interested in what she wanted to do. She, She got a sponsor for her for a boat. She got training. She would um, volunteer, go to shipyards and figure out how things worked. This whole community came around her to support her goal. Then she gets out there and she's just out there on her own. I think it took seven months. Wow. And she said this really interesting thing. Of course, she's this kid. And she said, you know, a lot of it was really boring. (laughs) (laughs) She's out there. She didn't have a pet. I think she had her stuffed animal. And she had the radio. And people were tracking her and Mm -hmm. stuff. But there would just be long swaths of time. And something hadn't worked. You know, she was doing all her own um, repairs on the boat. And something broke. And she just realized she could see herself going into these 
black moods. Mm. And what she understood out there was that she could actually control her moods and that your moods are something, you know, that's like the weather, that once you learn to manage those emotions, mm. you're going to have a very different response to whatever's happening. And so this carried her through incredible storms where she's upside down and 20-foot waves and, you know, this craziness. And it really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when, you know, we've we've had to get on TV or, you know, do these things that are out of my comfort zone mm -hmm. as a sort of a, you know, behind-the-scenes mm -hmm. writer-reporter mm -hmm. type. Mm -hmm. And I think about her. I think about Jessica Watson, and I think, okay, Camille, <laughs> Jessica's... If Jessica could do it at 16, right, you could do right. it too. Yeah. So. It, it, it's taken me a long, longer time to figure out what she figured out at 11. I know. Let me tell you. I know. <laughs> I'm still figuring that yeah, out. Exactly. So, yeah. so that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's really like the hero's journey, right? Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Kind of yeah. overcoming external and internal challenges and yeah. being transformed. By yeah. It. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the emotions can be just an incredible engine of yeah. moving mm -hmm. forward you know anger even anger or fear can mm -hmm. be great motivators but yeah. they can also just be crippling mm -hmm. right and so you know it's one thing we saw in all these people and that we try and emulate everything mm -hmm. that we've learned is that be smart about your emotions because mm -hmm. you do mm -hmm. have some control over them particularly when emotion segues into a mood mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. emotions are meant to be these, you know, I'm angry. Mm -hmm. I, I recognize to myself and the other people around me that something has upset me. Right. Mm -hmm. But when it just tracks on endlessly, you're just in a state of aggravation. Mm -hmm. It's no longer serving its actual purpose. Right. But it can be channeled into an emotion. It can be channeled into motivation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, the, the, the story that really got me was uh, Connie Rice. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, are they talking about Condoleezza? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, no, that's not her like, story. This can't possibly be her. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because you mentioned she's their second cousin. cousin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, very different. But yeah, yeah. But she was she was doing conflict resolution with mm -hmm. gangs and mm -hmm. helped to negotiate the truce between the Bloods and the Crips. Right. What an amazing person. And she took on the LAPD. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And um, could, uh, could you say a little bit about that, uh, a little bit more about her? Her, yeah. her. One of the amazing things about Connie Rice was she's a hard-charging woman. She had mm -hmm. turned her, she had sort of weaponized herself to be truth and justice. And she was out in L.A. and realized that it wasn't working, mm -hmm. that a lot of these kids were still killing each other and that the LAPD was, you know, rampaging. So she was at one of the um, one of the housing projects mm -hmm. and it was a big meeting. All the, the community had come together. All the women were t were having this meeting and she said she sort of strode in there ready to tell them what was what. And they started shouting at her. And she realized, I need to listen mm -hmm. to what's going on in order to figure out what's the problem. Mm -hmm. And she said, you tell me. And they said, well, you know, our men are killing each other and it's the gangs. And if you could help resolve this conflict, then mm -hmm. that's going to make a big difference for us. 
And it was this huge moment for Connie, which happens to all of us, where we're we're so righteous about something. We think we know the answer to something. And then somebody shifts our perspective because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we just listen a little harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Well, you can tell the rest of the story. They're in like a trailer, I think. Right. right. <laughs> one of the and, gangs is, and, yeah. And one of the guys comes out and, and she knocks on the door and it's and somebody says something. It was right around the time of the peace process in the Middle East. Right. Somebody said if the Israelis and the Palestinians can get together, which they <laughs> were at that time. At that time. time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like maybe you can do something for us. Mm-hmm. And it was really an incredible story to hear because she did this in defiance of all of her bosses, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because, and, and again, that's a little bit where you get into the thing of a system. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so she's supposed to be doing lawyerly things mm-hmm. and nobody mm-hmm. is going to approve of her stepping outside of that. Mm-hmm. And she really had the guts to do it. And, yeah. and an amazing thing that she did later on was that, she had been in just this ferocious, ongoing legal skirmishes with the LAPD. Mm-hmm. And she finally realized, she never stopped that, okay? Mm-hmm. But she finally realized, I need to work with these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she got into the police department, and mm-hmm. she really helped push them towards making some radical changes mm-hmm. in how they were relating to the community. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, particularly today, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at mm-hmm. how locked people are mm-hmm. yeah. into their little, mm-hmm. like, silos yep. of political philosophy and blame, mm-hmm. she and and many of the other people that we've seen, and, and again, we try and emulate this ourselves, it's like, what works? Mm-hmm. What's gonna? What is gonna move your mission forward, whatever it might be? Yeah. And it's not about staying in some frozen idea about what this guy over mm-hmm. here is or what this group is. Mm-hmm. It's really about finding again. It's the process of goal achievement. Mm-hmm. What is? What is? What is gonna make? What is gonna help make this thing happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. So many amazing stories you have in mm-hmm. the book. Yeah. yeah. So I'm actually curious about um, the fact that you undertook this project together as a married couple. Um, (laughs) And stayed married. And you stayed married. Um, So I'm wondering if you could speak a little to, I don't know if this was the first project you'd embarked on together or um, you've had a long history of collaborating together, but kind of how that was for you guys. (laughs) It's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Our our first big project was our daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that was a collaboration that also. That was a collaboration <laughs> also. We have worked together on and off on some creative projects. Mm-hmm. and But this was, we, we were both so excited about mm-hmm. it that we just sort of sailed into it without thinking much of, you know, the ramifications. Mm-hmm. But I think we always, we decided we're, we are always going to come together in a consensus. So whether it's a person we're interviewing or the paragraph we're writing or the sentence we're writing, we're going to agree on what it is or isn't. Mm -hmm. And I think that made a really big difference because it just cut out the he said, she said, wait, no, you know, 
it was established that if somebody cared enough to disagree, that it wasn't just for the sake of disagreement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, it's yeah. like everybody has veto power. Right. Mm-hmm. And that saves, I mean, there's still a lot of arguing, but basically, mm-hmm. if I can't convince Camille of something, yeah. you know, how good could it be? Mm-hmm. You know, if she doesn't like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't think a paragraph makes sense or she doesn't think we should write about this particular person, mm-hmm. how good can it be? Mm-hmm. I mean, we see everything so much eye to eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that really has helped us a lot yeah. that somebody's really got veto power. Mm-hmm. And then you just move on. Mm-hmm. And but but also like that lifts your game up mm-hmm. because somebody's able to like stop, you know, pull on the handbrake yeah. and say I don't think this thing is working, mm-hmm. you know. Right, right. And and again, it's the idea of it's like, is the point that I'm right? Mm-hmm. Is the point that I'm smart? Is the point that I'm going to get what I want, or is the point that the thing's going to be better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the th- it's not just the output. Mm-hmm. It's the experience of working with each other too, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's part of it. And. Of course, you're going to have fights and disagreements, whether you're married or not, you know, but you want it to be as fun as possible. That's the working part, too, Mm -hmm. where it's not devolving into this just crappy verbal (laughs) food fight. Right, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And possible physical food fight. (laughs) Well, the good news is that you guys had such a good time doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing something else now. That's huh? right. That's true. That is coming. Yeah. We you just, want to say a little bit about that? We yeah. kept at it. Yeah. Well, we built on the research of the first book. And as Josh said, we've just kept going. We've talked to a lot of scientists, neuroscientists, and psychologists, and evolutionary biologists, also organizational therapists mm-hmm. and and just figuring out um, more broadly what is the process mm-hmm. of goal achievement mm-hmm. is there a system that can be sort of hammered together that people can use no matter what their goal is mm-hmm. and so the next project that we've been working on it will take the form of a book mm-hmm. and uh, an educational learning experience we're calling it future boot camp I need me some future and some of the drill sergeants are people that you know from the past like mm-hmm. JFK or Martin Luther mm-hmm. King mm-hmm. Uh-huh. and some are people from the present it's beyond say and some other people you've heard of so that was uh that was pretty good huh yeah that was great i really enjoyed interviewing them a lot i think for me what i really enjoyed about it was how they talked about like the common lessons Mm, across mm -hmm. the different people and i think one of the big common lessons seemed to be people who do well over time really pay attention to the process and kind of iterate and see how things, you know, kind of trial and error, what works, mm-hmm. what doesn't work, mm-hmm. and then over time, just keep getting better and better. One characteristic that all of their interviewees had in common is what great listeners they were. Mm. So I was surprised by that, yeah. and I think it speaks volumes to the fact that they all consistently had that quality. And yeah, totally. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people may have a sense of people who are su- super successful, 
as maybe it was pure talent right. or that sort of thing. But really, you know, things like being a good listener, paying attention to the process of how is it that you achieve and being a good student mm -hmm. seems to be um, maybe even more important than, you know, maybe having pure talent That's or something right. like that. That's right, definitely. So there's hope for us folks who, who weren't <laughs> born with all these, um, you know, majestic talents. So hope you enjoyed the show. Take care. Subscribe to our podcast, The Pena Show, on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and never miss an episode. Pena.